Clearshore presents Technology, Innovation, and Great Power Competition, Class 4, Semiconductors, by Steve Blank, November 2, 2021, at steveblank.com. We just completed the fourth week of our new national security class at Stanford, Technology, Innovation, and Great Power Competition. Joe Felter, Rawshaw, and I designed the class to cover how technology will shape all the elements of national power, America's influence and footprint on the world stage. In Class 1, we learned that national power is the combination of a country's diplomacy, soft power and alliances, information, intelligence, military power, economic strength, finance, intelligence, and law enforcement. This whole-of-government approach is known by the acronym DIMEFIL, and after two decades focused on counterterrorism, the U.S. is now engaged in great power competition with both China and Russia. In Class 2, the class focused on China, the U.S.'s primary great power competitor. China is using all elements of national power, diplomacy, soft power, alliances, coercion, information and intelligence using its economic leverage over Hollywood and controlling the COVID narrative, its military might and economic strength, Belt and Road Initiative, as well as exploiting Western finance and technology. China's goal is to challenge and overturn the U.S.-led liberal international order and replace it with a neo-totalitarian model. The third class focused on Russia, which is asserting itself as a great power challenger. We learned how Russia pursues security and economic interests in parallel with its ideological aims. At times, these objectives complement each other. At other times, they clash. Putin's desire to restore Russia into a great power once again leads to a foreign policy that is opposite the interests of the Russia people. As Putin himself has said, quote, the collapse of the Soviet Union was a major geopolitical disaster of the century, unquote. And that, quote, offers a window to his worldview as he tries to remake Russia into a great power once again. Having covered the elements of national power, Dimeville, and China, and Russia, the class now shifts to the impact commercial technologies have on Dimeville. Today's topic, semiconductors. The various readings for this class all led to the assignment questions, of which the class needed to pick one and answer in approximately 100 words based on those required readings. 1. Describe the roles of Fred Terman, William Shockley, and Fairchild Semiconductor in the genesis of Silicon Valley. Who had a greater role in creating Silicon Valley, Fred Terman or the Traderous Eight? Or number two, how would you characterize China's attempt to catch up in the semiconductor industry? Do you think China can credibly catch TSMC without an evasion of Taiwan? Why or why not? And our discussion questions. One, Put yourself in the shoes of Mark Liu, chairman of TSMC. Do you view China as more of a competitor or customer, and why? And number two, now imagine you are the NSC senior director with responsibility for technology and strategy. What is the first thing the U.S. government should do regarding semiconductors? Our guest speaker for our fourth class was John Hurley, former member of the President's Intelligence Advisory Board an expert on semiconductors and supply chains, and former captain, U.S. Army. We looked at the critical role of semiconductors in great power competition. 
Both our commercial and military systems are dependent on semiconductors. China spends more on semiconductor imports than it does on oil. We frame the advances in technology as part of the fourth industrial revolution. We reminded the students of the role the DOD and IC played at Stanford, turning it into an outward-facing university, which kick-started technology entrepreneurship here in Silicon Valley. We also looked at dual-use technology. For the first time in 75 years, federal labs and our prime contractors are no longer leading innovation in many critical technologies, including AI, machine learning, autonomy, biotech, commercial access to space, etc. Rapid advances in these areas are now happening via commercial firms, many in China. This is a radical change in where advanced technology comes from. In the U.S., the government is painfully learning how to reorient its requirements and acquisition process to buy these commercial off-the-shelf technologies. Products that are sold commercially and to the DoD are called dual-use. And we looked at the semiconductor industry. We began a deep dive into semiconductors by drawing a map of the semiconductor industry. Five companies provide the majority of the wafer fab equipment needed to make chips. TSMC is the leading fab for manufacturing logic chips. Of the 29 new fabs starting construction in 2021 and 2022, over half are in China and Taiwan. We examined TSMC. We took the class through the TSMC case study and mapped out the roles and interests of TSMC, China, Intel, and the U.S. We discussed China's drive for semiconductor independence, U.S. export controls on Huawei, why and its consequences, the various constituencies of a U.S. semiconductor policy, Commerce Department, DOD, U.S. chip makers, U.S. semi-equipment suppliers, etc., and whether TSMC's success makes Taiwan more or less secure, given China's goals of reunification with Taiwan. And we looked at how do decision-makers formulate policy. Does it start by asking, what problems do we want to solve? Using semiconductors as an example, is it China's access to U.S. technology? Or is it China embedding its advanced U.S. design technology into their military systems? Or what happens to TSMC and Western access to advanced technology if China quarantines or invades Taiwan? How do policymakers select and narrow a problem? Is it based on the value the policy adds for identified stakeholders? Is it a personal passion or interest? Specifically for China and semiconductors, what are potential solution ideas? Export controls? Stronger CIFAS regulations? How do you take into account stakeholder feedback from the DOD, Commerce Department, commercial firms? And once you create a policy, how do you effectively implement it? Our class midterm assignment is to assume you are a policymaker, write a 2,000-word policy memo that describes how a U.S. competitor is using a specific technology, semiconductors, AI, autonomy, cyber, etc., to counter U.S. interests. Propose how the U.S. should respond. And regarding the group projects, we had several teams talk about their learnings from their out-of-the-building interviews. Team Short Circuit is working on how the U.S. should improve its ability to design and produce semiconductors and develop and retain relevant talent. They heard from a professor that the ratio of Stanford students taking software versus hardware courses 
was 10 to 1 software, a complete reversal from decades ago. We discussed whether 1, this was true or just anecdotal, or 2, if true, was it the same in other research universities, 3, why it happened, software startups are getting funded at obscene valuations, 4, and what kind of incentives and policies would be needed to change that, and 5, where in the value chain those might be most effective, students, venture capitalists, government, etc. Next week, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Lessons learned. Semiconductors are the oil of the 21st century. All economies run on them. Semiconductors are China's biggest imports. China's roadmap for building an indigenous semiconductor industry and accelerating chip manufacturing is the National Integrated Circuit Plan. The goal is to meet its local chip demand by 2030. The U.S. is dependent on TSMC, located in Taiwan, for its most advanced logic chips. China claims Taiwan as a province of China. TSMC will build a fab in Arizona, but it will represent only 2% of its capacity. What are U.S. policymakers' options? Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We would like to hear from you, so please send your thoughts to comments at clearshore.us or visit us at clearshore.us. If you would like this show delivered to you automatically, you can subscribe to the Clearshore Podcasts on iTunes. Wishing you all the best until next time.